Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Let's go back to 2011. Look at the World Cup. With Squidge Let's go back Oh baby, let's go back with Squidge Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective The only rugby podcast that just had a bath in 2011 And it's 2011 and it's 2019 and it's 2021 And I can't remember the year You were about to say 2019 completely lost It was about to say 2019 because in my head the World Cup only just finished I'm still kind of stuck in that mindset I don't quite know what's going on at the minute uh, I am joined as ever by Mr Will Owen Hello, that how are you? That is indeed me, I'm good thank you How are you? I'm... Just as well as you just heard. I think I demonstrated quite accurately how well I am. Good. And we are joined as well by, from BT Sport, from Channel 5, from Sky Sport, from Rugby World, from Rugby Pass, and most importantly, from Bedford, Sam Roberts. How are you doing? (laughs) I am very pleased and absolutely delighted that you put those in that order, because in a funny sort of way... The the latter is the most important, and we all know about rugby roots. You know about rugby roots more than anyone, and they are just so important. And when you come from a rugby town like Bedford, and mm. what Bedford Blues has done for me, for my family, and I and I I mean that it sounds really grandiose, doesn't it? But I just mean that they they, they when a rugby club at the heart of a society does that for you. It's absolutely fantastic. And it is a pleasure to be on the show. Not for yeah. any other reason than my street cred has suddenly gone up just a little bit with my teenage son. So there you go. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, you'll be glad to hear that actually the majority of the conversation that goes on in this podcast in any episode is actually all about James Pritchard, the Bedford <laughs> Blues legendary fullback who played in this World Cup. I, uh, I could tell you a fair few stories about James Pritchard. Uh, m- many of them are very boring, uh, like the dear man himself, who is an incredible athlete, incredibly focused, and uh, just uh, an absolute straight-down-the-line diamond. And for the Blues, wow. I mean, th- th- there, are, there are very few people who can touch Mikey Raya as far as, uh, as, as goal-kicking is concerned, but uh, maybe even James Pritchard does that. Because he was, and it's always, it's the thing I think of when I think of Bedford Blues as a club, is James Pritchard and his commitment to them and him having offers from the Premiership and from France and so on and staying at Bedford because he loved the club. And I think that always said so much about them, you know, and despite consistently being sort of there and thereabouts in the Championship and never really being the team, you know, playing whoever it was that just been relegated for the, the place at the top. I always thought that said so much about, yeah, Bedford Blues as a, as a club. that You can see so much from that. For the record, if anyone's wondering who currently is the team that's just been relegated, that is... Saracens. <laughs> I will repeat, Saracens. How are they doing? How are they doing, by the way? How was that? I think, I think they 
might have lost at the weekend. I, I saw <laughs> one few posts about the fact they might have lost against Ealing. I got into a Twitter argument with somebody who was ve- who was very very. I think he was anti Ealing. I think that it's not it's not difficult to find that sort of obviously sort of uh, niche. on yeah. on Twitter somebody to disagree with you. But he, he he suddenly came on and I I you know I was like oh, all I put was you know woohoo or, or boom or whatever it was. Uh, mm. And oh, we had a long, a long discourse about how Ealing weren't doing this and weren't doing that and weren't value for money. And and uh, I said, I, I, okay, well, never mind. We'll just, <laughs> just as his Twitter's want. You know, you put something on there saying here it is, and then someone picks up the picks up the glass and starts to shove it in your face. And you're like, no, I just, I just, <laughs> I just. All I was saying <laughs> was that it was quite good for Ealing. Is it not? No, no, it's not. No. Okay, move on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, 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 Saracen's still yet to win a single game ever in the Trailfinder Cup. Um, we, it's worth noting that Saracens are the only championship team who have lost a game this season. That's very true. That's very true. I mean, uh, if there was a table running, they they'd be bottom, wouldn't they? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've got a losing bonus point in their name. To be fair, oh, oh, um, which yeah, is what they true. which was what they, did you see their official accounts post? Yes, the way they spun it is. Oh, a brave losing bonus point secured at the death by Saracens. Wow. It's like, mate, you were the European champions a few months ago and you just lost to Ealing Trailfinders, who didn't even have their strongest team out. What I really liked about that tweet is the fact that the picture they had it was of Billy Vanapola. So it's like they're flexing that Billy Vanapola was playing and they still lost. They had two players who played in the World Cup final playing for them. Yeah. One of whom won. Yeah, and we'll get final. <laughs> well, I I think I think you know you've got to give them their due. They they hmm. are they are sort of doffing doffing caps in in various different directions and and all of that. But I I, I understand latest news. Uh, you'll be aware of various different things breaking. No relegation from the Premiership. They'll 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 go back up. Probably joined by someone like Ealing Trailfinders or some random South African team if they can find one. And uh, and uh, and and it will all be done dusted. I. I don't want to sidetrack this uh, this piece into into what the championship stands for and what it means to me, but you can imagine it's just so very important. And I'm not I'm not the the ring fencing thing is is not that much of a of a sort of chalice to me. It's not it's not that much of a kryptonite to me. I don't, I don't start sort of shaking my fist and pointing at people. I understand the ring fencing argument. Mm. If it happens, I just hope that someone steps in and looks after the championship and gives it yeah. and gives it something to be because yeah. the, if it doesn't then that will be a crying shame if if ring fencing was to allow the championship to have the input and the and the support and the, and obviously money but you know just 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 a little bit of tender loving care just to bump it up a little bit i would be happy and the premiership can go and play and the championship can, but as long as it was still developing, the the big worry is that if the ring fencing comes in, they sort of cut the head off and, and the rest of the snake dies. And and I think I think that 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 is that is the worry for everyone. If it, if if someone yeah. from the RFU or indeed Prem Rugby could 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 make a an agreement with us that the championship would get tended to, would get looked after, <sighs> I think I think we we could probably live with the fact that that they want want to ring fence it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. yeah. There's so many signs to the contrary. You look at the cuts in funding even prior to COVID, you know, and then post. Yeah. And particularly, you know, we saw Nottingham RFC being furious about it. Yeah. And you understand why, you know, you understand there's a lot of those teams who are dreaming of playing in the Premiership, you know. Absolutely. 
it's very easy to, for people to look at it and think that the championship standard is a lot lower than the premiership when really like it's still such a high standard like yeah. so many players are playing just before the best rugby of their career in the championship or premiership players who are playing to a good standard but not every single game who then get thrusted down to the championship it's such a good standard yeah that, that's the thing a lot of these clubs are operating at that level and being able to produce that sort of skill level that sort of technical awareness that sort of power that sort of emphasis on the pitch with very little support and very little money yeah. you know the, they won't ever have this again by the looks of things the, the near future looks really quite bleak for the amount of money they will get from the pot but even with the 670 odd thousand pounds a year they were getting from the rfu in their heyday you've got to build a squad of what 40 players with 670,000 yeah. yeah. i mean do, do the math that that's it's, it's it's ludicrous to think that you can that you can do that and yet the championship does and i, I i'm pleased to say that you've noticed it I certainly have obviously noticed the skill level as being good. It's not the same as the Premier. I, I don't no. want anyone to lay into me and say it's not the Premiership. Of course it's not. Yeah. But but the, the, the quality that is attained is quite remarkable considering. And I, I yeah. think that's where yeah. we need to that's where we need to remember with the championship. And and my goodness, if they were to get just as I say, a little bit more tender loving care, who knows where it might go. Yeah, absolutely. I am going to move us on, if that's all the same with everyone else. Boring. Because <laughs> we are, we, you know, we've mentioned some of the, the championship. There are some players in this England team who probably felt like it was there. I'm losing track of this already, the, that kind of segue. I had another segue I was going to make, but it moved on so far from the comment, I couldn't make my, what would have been relevant to 2011 joke, uh, which is you said Saracens and some random South African team which in 2011 would have been, oh, two random South African teams then. Nice. Um, but they now contribute basically the entire England team rather than, you know, just John Schmidt. Yeah. I just love the way that you're able to back out of a sentence. I can't do that on broadcast <laughs> on TV. I've got to commit to that sentence. And yet it happens to me all the time. I start thinking sentences like, oh, where are you going with this, Roberts? But you can back out of it. I can't do that. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> it's not a skill. It's not a skill. <laughs> And if it was, this man's a one-trick pony. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm good at. I'm phenomenal at backing out of... If I were to begin on a sentence, I could easily not go through of actually um, moving on to the England team for this game. I don't have to finish any of the sentences. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll quickly touch on the teams while we're here. By the way, um, I'm just going to quickly interject. We're please. talking about England against Scotland from the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Did I not get that far? 16-12. No, you, no did, you didn't. I didn't get that far. Cool. Okay, this is the down... This is what I'm saying about backing out of sentences. I yeah. forget when I have and haven't done it. <laughs> so in my head, that sentence was going to go on. I was going to introduce the game we're talking about. In my head, I did that. I finished that, and I moved on to sixteen different things. I was about to start talking about Mike Tindall's attempt to grow a moustache for two thousand and seven, which wasn't as bad as uh, Riho Yamanaka's attempt to grow a moustache. This World <laughs> Cup, and obviously, Japan fullback who got banned from playing in the World Cup because he took he took a performance enhancing drug to help him grow a moustache, oh. not realizing it was a banned substance, and didn't get to play in the World Cup. But everything in twenty nineteen. Anyway, that's a whole other aside. Um, yeah, so. Whew, right. <laughs> England team. Or oh, street cred with your son is going down drastically as he realizes <laughs> my fault. This is gonna be my what? fault. People are going, look what happened to Squidge. Look what you did to him. <laughs> it's 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 really not. It's just in the in the presence of such slickness, you know, no, such <laughs> such a whoa. 
Hang on, um, Robbie, I've just checked and your YouTube subscriber number is just halved. <laughs> Razzie Erasmus has rescinded his comments. Well, they're, probably, they're probably still looking at who I am and where I come from, but carry on, carry on. <laughs> and they're all subscribing to you instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works now. Yeah, so we are coming towards the end of this dreaded pool that has been yeah. so much fun. The penultimate game of the pool where nobody can kick a goal. <laughs> <laughs> And boy, did that theme continue today. So going to this game, if Scotland win by eight points, they go for automatically. If they win by anything, uh, they're pretty much reliant on Argentina's result against Georgia. If they get a losing bonus point or whatever, they need Georgia to win. Yeah. It all came down to sort of permutations and it was that kind of very, you know, last game of the pool type scenario. And so Scotland made a number of changes going into this. So from the last game, Mike Blair comes in, uh, Ali Kellett comes in. There's a lot of sort of more experienced players. Um, Kelly Brown's injured, so Richie Vernon comes in for him. Simon Janielli remains in. Sean Lamont though comes in at centre. Joansbro. Yeah. So I think it's a kind of it's a stronger Scotland team. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly a more experienced Scotland team. Yeah. And very importantly, uh, I say very importantly, it doesn't last long. But Rory Jackson maintains the ten mm. shirt after what happened at the end of the Argentina game with Dan Parks missing that drop goal. How could he miss that drop goal with Felipe Contepomi seven yeah, miles Felipe outside? Contepomi was in his house and on his sofa. Yeah. Like he'd, he'd gone so far. He was inside Dan Parks' soul. He was that far offside. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you brought up uh, Rory. There's going to... Well, I'm, I may continue, continue a little bit of theme about sort of players who, who get to international quality and, and don't quite deliver. Does that make sense? Mm, don't yeah. quite get to where they need to. And uh, that, that's a name that strikes a little bit of a call with me. I mean, there's there's probably a few of them, and I sort of don't want to call them out, but you, mm. you, you do sense that there's, there's, there's one on the England side that I was going to talk about. Just just guys that, that, you, that you feel, and you don't know what it is, but they are just missing that that x you want to call it x factor that that yeah. that thing that thing they have ev- they have everything when you look at them on paper they have absolutely everything and yet and yet for some reason and and this is this is probably what links us so intrinsically to the sport is the fact that there is something which is almost you know undescribable that 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 makes you uh this as opposed to that and 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 mm. that, and that, that that would be a that he, he i think fair play I, i'd be corrected by by scotland uh fans uh i think he, he lends himself into that into that category yeah and i think there was enough you'd see in the games he did play for scotland you know like against argentina he was very good in the first half yeah and there's enough periods of him being promising you kind of then look at it and he didn't really kick on beyond this you know the following year kind of duncan weir comes in and and you know he then sort of slight and then finn russell emerges about two years on from this yeah and things just sort of don't and he ends up playing fullback for glasgow in his kind of final yeah. period before retiring and it's kind of a shame what happened to Roy Jackson yeah yeah but it's safe to say if there's any player in the world who does have x-factor it's Finn Russell so it's <laughs> yes. a hell of a person to you know have as your predecessor yeah 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 and the England team to then touch on it much as they touched on many things in that bar in Queenstown they again revert back to what is pretty much the strongest team with that kind of there were two question marks. There was one that Dylan Armitage starts on the wing over Mark Quato, who scored a hat trick in his previous game. Which, as me and William, sort of when we'll play rugby challenge on career mode, 
we always have this rule if a player scores a hat trick they have to stay in for the previous game no matter what yeah, um, the next game that is the next game yeah the, sorry did i say the previous game yes Jeez, you have to go back in time and make sure they started the previous game <laughs> oh, really can't. <laughs> we also have this rule about if a player has scored two tries you're not allowed to bring them off which is yeah. really because the amount of hookers you see get two tries at the start of the second half and then get brought off because it's like a you know predetermined change. And you think no, let them get the hat trick, and and that and that really should be a rule in life generally. Mm. I feel, and, and, and you know, you talk about Stephen Jones was sort of waxing lyrical about about ways that you could develop the game. You know, bloke who's absolutely knackered, absolutely hanging. You scored two tries. Yeah, can I come off? No, you've got to stay on for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm knackered. No, I can't do anything no. about that. And now you're yeah. a liability. So, you know, we've got, to, we've got to work with that. Frankly, that goes down as drug avoidance, doesn't it? Getting brought up. Because, <laughs> you know, typically, yeah. if you, buy, if you exactly. get a hat trick, you buy a jug. So yeah. You've got to. You've got to. And I think, I think that's that. The, these, these sorts of things should be uh, just layered into the game in some shape or form. Yeah. Just to remind everybody that you're currently listening to a World Rugby meeting on how to improve the game <laughs> and potential law variations. I choose to believe that the the jug, you mean, they just have to go into Matalan and just like <laughs> nothing has to be in it. No, they just have to just have to buy a jug. Just have to just walk around with the jug a bit. Come into the next training session with a jug there. They put in the pile, the jug pile. <laughs> You've got some jug dealers. Uh, Matt Stevens, of course, got banned in this England team for doing jugs. Oh, so glad we went down this route. There were other routes we could have gone down with jugs, and we went down this route. This is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, plenty of jugs were consumed by England, and some jugs, apparently, according to 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 what you read in papers, Mike Tyndall found his his face in some jugs, according to one. Allegedly. I really don't like that that phrase, but there we are. Uh, yes, yeah. Shall we? Before we move on to the game itself, we're going to I... do the game. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm quite happy on the teams. This, of course, does come after the England evening out in Queenstown. I was looking this up just, you know, prior to recording. I found two things. One, I found the bar on TripAdvisor. Pod social? And it's on exactly, exactly 3.0 stars. So it's a very average place to go. Okay. <laughs> so there aren't any particularly standout reviews, which is a shame. I was really hoping I could do some sort of segment on it, but there's nothing interesting. And I couldn't find anything, any results for the dwarf tossing, tossing evenings. And there's another comment from the owner of the bar who said, there was no scandal by any of the English rugby players that we saw. They were great lads, not throwing midgets at all. It was all lighthearted, good-humoured fun. This is tabloids taking photos out of context and telling silly stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, well... Well, That sounds exactly like what somebody who did witness a dwarf tossing incident would say. <laughs> when you have to say there was no dwarf tossing taking place, you've already lost. <laughs> that is that is absolutely right. That that is that is being a ten year old in the playground and and literally saying, you know, I I didn't throw that ball through that window, and you're like, well, <laughs> how did you? What? How? Which window? The, oh, right, I see. You literally, yeah, I I agree with you. I think he's banged to rights there. Absolutely banged to rights. <laughs> Um, I spoke to uh, I spoke to Matt Banahan, who's on the mm. bench for this game, and he said he didn't attend uh, because the RFU had put their credit card behind the bar, and he didn't want all that to go to waste. So <laughs> he was in he was in a completely different bar, enjoying the spoils of England rugby, which is he's RFU. one of the good ones. He was one of the good ones. He was quick. He was quick. He was quick to point that out. Okay, so, so they the RFU had paid 
in another bar. Yeah. And yet half the team left to okay okay fair enough well okay well hold on let's let let's just put this into context yeah uh we're in a bar together we've been having a good time drinking and and i come up to you and i say um do you want to go dwarf tossing (laughs) at that point you go um well obviously i'm quite intrigued by what you said (laughs) i mean you don't go you go no no i'm all right you don't do that. You go, you at least have five seconds worth of working out what on earth that's <laughs> true. about. That's true. You don't just go, no, nah, I'm all right. As though, as though it was like a ham sandwich that was being passed around. Somebody says, do you want to go dwarf tossing? You definitely <laughs> consider it, even, <laughs> even, even in the situation you're in. You at least open Google. <laughs> you at least look up the night. See if there's any videos of dwarf tossing yeah. out there. Local legalities, you know, things like that. These are the, these are perhaps the yes. first Google Google things that you search up. You, you raise a very good point. Uh, there you go. But they didn't, so they went. They went for it, and 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 the rest, as they say, is uh, tabloid history. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, the rest of the England team: Johnny Wilkinson starts over Toby Flood. Ben Youngs then come state well, keeps his place at nine, having not played that game against Argentina. And that's sort of, you know, Nick East is back, fit on the bench, but James Haskell starts. It's Best number eight in the world, James Haskell, that is. Yes, of course, according to Lawrence Delalio, um at the time. Yeah, it's a sort of fairly standard issue, I think, for that period England team. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, and it's especially good to see that they have the, at the time, all-time top point scorer in the world, starting at 10, ready to, you know, slot a few points for them, especially from long range, and see if somebody <laughs> can finally kick some goals in this pool. Should we just start on that then? Should we start yeah. on the, the... So there's there's a point, right? So Johnny Wilkinson misses his first three kicks at goal. And Scott Hastings on the commentary says, oh, I can't think of the last time I've ever seen Johnny Wilkinson miss three kicks at goal uh, in an England shirt. And then Nick Mullins is just kind of like, yeah, it happened three weeks ago against Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Scott goes, and Scott goes, well, I wasn't watching. So there we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the miss kick count in this game, including drop goals, goes up to six. Oh. Which, by the standard of this pool, is all right. Actually, that's not that bad. There are games that were, where there were like nine, ten missed yeah. kicks at goal. Georgia, Only Romania, having six was like, like nothing. Fifty percent oh. of the kicks were missed. Have you done some sort of thesis on this? Surely, this World Cup. What thesis is behind this? Well, my theory is right at the start of Scotland's first game, especially in this pool. Chris Patterson has a shot between the posts from a conversion. It ball falls off the tee. He misses it. And at that moment, the best goal kicker in the world, who was on a record streak, mm. missing that shot at goal in front of the post, just cursed the whole World Cup. Yeah. And no one could slot a single kick afterwards. And Johnny Wilkinson was just missing kicks out of respect for Chris Patterson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which we know, you know, of all, of all the world rugby players, it was Patterson that he kept on doffing his cap to. That, that, was, that mm. was the person that he kept on looking to sort of say, actually, you're right. Uh, no, I, I, you're possibly right. You're possibly right. I, I, it must be some sort of witchcraft. That's the only thing <laughs> you can probably put it down to. <laughs> Do you want to start talking about the scoring in the game? So yeah. Chris Patterson does knock over an early penalty. And then the next penalty, they hand to Dan Parks, who's just come onto the pitch for Rory Jackson because of a, a, a really nasty looking, I think it was a concussion that he'd received. And Parks is... By this point, you'd imagine the long-range kicker because the kick's about yeah. 40 metres out in the corner and Patterson, who is the reliable kicker that you mentioned, he's not stepping up. So you think 
Parks is taking it. And he just kind of chips it over. And it, it's a really poorly sliced kick. It looks like when somebody's lining up five metres out and they just lazily knock it over, knowing they've got the two points, you know. Mm. But he just kind of chips it over. And then Nigel Owens, who's a touch judge, has to interject and tell him to go to the TMO because it only just snuck over. Mm. From the first angle, I actually thought he'd missed it. And evidently yeah. so did Nige. But it, it's alarm bells for this pool when that's the long-range kicker. Well, there's something in the fact that even the kicks that are successful have to go to the TMO because they look that much like they were yeah. missed. Imagine <laughs> how bad the game of rugby has to be for a TMO to interject on kicks. <laughs> I mean, that, that you're absolutely right. I mean, if I was commentating on this game, you'd think, oh, this is, we're scraping the barrel here, aren't we, really? If we're having to get him out of his truck to have a look at, you know, whether it goes through the uprights or not. I mean, there's three people out there. Bloody hell, if they can't see it go through the uprights, what, what, what have we got? Do you think that was it, that Nigel noticed a penalty had gone over the post and just wanted to check, like, hang on, this pool doesn't do successful penalties. <laughs> Can we just double check that actually happened? Uh, it's very adult with everything I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, very possibly. He's that, he's that much in tune with the whole game. It's, it's very possible, very possible. Dear old Nigel, bless him. Yeah. Do you get that, just out of curiosity, when you're... When you're watching a game as a punter on the sofa or whatever, do you have moments of thinking about how you would have commentated on it? Uh, yeah. Mm, or yeah. thinking, I'm glad I'm not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> often, often, I'm, I'm thinking uh, crumbs. That that was that was that that was lucky lucky miss. No, I, I think the commentary teams that I that I tend to watch and I tend to look at are exceptionally good, and mm. and I, I I tend to really take notes about the people that I'm I'm seeing and, and doing that with. I I, w- I wouldn't necessarily suggest that I go through it. It's so it's so difficult to explain without it sounding completely uh, poncy. But it, you have to be you just have to rely on being in the moment and in the in in the zone and, mm. and and seeing and seeing what you see and calling it as you call it. And I know that I would call it different to. You know, uh, Nick or Ali or, or uh, Martin Gillingham or you know a- any of the top guys uh, on the chat on the channels that I, I, I sort of share or work with JHB as well. I call it differently, and, and you just got to you just got to be who you are. And I too much. I suppose that I suppose the point I'm trying to make is you can't overthink it. I know it sounds yeah. like you probably do. Yeah. Uh, you probably sit there just commentating on everything, but you can't because yeah. because you. you the worst thing you can do, and, and you'll appreciate this, when I write my notes, mm. uh, I often think of a funny line. I go, oh, that'd yeah. be good if that happened. I'll write that down. And then, of course, it's never going to happen. So you yeah. can't really... And the only time it has happened is I wrote it down and I remembered it. And about eight games or eight weeks, nine weeks later, the same player was commenting on the same player did something. And mm. I said, yeah, he's, he's so slippery, he could get into your wetsuit with you. And, nice. and, and it was, it was, it, it, but it wasn't for that game. It was because I yeah, really yeah. it from from nine mm. weeks previous. It was Sonotti, Sonotti, and you can appreciate. Probably of course it was. Of course it was. Uh, and 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 I was just, I was just like, yeah, well, that that's probably why I wrote it down. Then was for nine weeks mm. of a game that I didn't realize I was even going to be commentating on. So I suppose, I suppose that that's probably where where you where you think about things a little bit. But they've just got to come. They've just got to come to you as as and when. And and I don't think you can think about it about it too much if that answers your question. Yeah, I can't no, believe you predicted Sonotti Sonotti doing a really good sidestep. Where's that come from? <laughs> no one could have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, 
he looked, yeah, he looked, uh, he always looked absolutely magic. And I, I'm devastated. I don't know. Has, has anyone known where, where's, where's he going to pop up again? I don't know. Because it was know. just, it was personal reasons, wasn't it? He's left the castle. So. MLR, please. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think he could, he could, yeah, he could really light up America, couldn't he, in a funny yeah. sort of way. Just, just his mannerisms and the way that he does what he does. Yeah. I hope so. Hope so. Mm. That'd be great, yeah. I had actually, prior to the World Cup in 2019, which is still coming up in my head, I made like a list of like extra jokes I might want to throw in at some point because I predicted at some point I'll be burnt out. And I'm just, it's useful to have, you know, here's a joke about Sia Khaleesi. Here's one about Emiliano Buffelli or whatever. I've got written down just in case I need them. Here's a joke just in case Yanko Venter falls over and drops the ball in the process, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. But Every it... eventuality. It were, and and that's the thing and and the only time they will the only time that they will ever do something like that is when you're not expecting it and I suppose mm. the only thing you can do to prepare to not be expecting something is to prepare for everything and in a sense you you yes. are in a, in a way and 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 that and that is and that is the that that is the point I suppose I'm I'm trying to make and when I come back to the original point where I think we were speaking before we pressed record mm. ultimately the the, the, the commentary. It is is about being in the moment, and it's about it's about complementing what you're seeing and what's going on in front of you. It, it, too much preparation, too many too many things done, and it just won't it won't sound good. You 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 need Nick Mullins speaks brilliantly about the fact that you just need to be someone sat alongside someone else, you know, adding in interesting yeah. stuff, but ultimately just accompanying them through it. And and the the sport, the rugby, is the most important thing. It, it'll yeah. never be uh, dwarfed by by what anyone has to say. It's just magical. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well um, said. Speaking of the the rugby that was magic. Mm-hmm. Speaking of half of that. Um, <laughs> speaking of dwarfs. So, <laughs> speaking of dwarfs. <laughs> um, so yeah. So we have the the Dan Parks penalty that kind of sneaks over. I say, but I think Dan Parks was such a a technician on the way he kicked yeah. that he he was someone who did adapt his kicking technique depending on the position on the field and you know yeah. where he whereabouts he was like, i reckon he probably went i'm kicking into the wind i need to kick it low you know i need to change sure. up how i'm kicking it and he still got very lucky on it but still only over by inches but i think that's kind of his style and i think this scotland team were on top for that first first half certainly they were all over an england team who kept making mistakes you know at one point ben young's catches a high ball and walks into touch uh, which is a precursor to what he goes say, on to do. Yeah. At one point as well, he throws an intercept pass to Dan Parks, which normally Dan Parks catching the ball is seconds before the ball crossing the touchline. So he was kind of doing the same I thing I do there. actually have. You won't be able to see it to people listening, but I'll show it to you two on the Zoom call if you can see it. I've got written down Young's heart touchline <laughs> uh, written in my notes. So as you say, it is the precursor for that love affair which starts and blossoms over eight years. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I can't I can't really join in. I'm not going to make any convention. I might bump into Ben Young soon, and I can't possibly <laughs> join in. So I I'm just going to say, you guys make the jokes, and I'll and I'll nod on Zoom where people that's, can't watch. That's that's entirely fair <laughs> enough. No, and like you know, I kind of I had said in the team of the FA like Ben Young has played really well this last year. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of it's a much as it's a running joke, he's played very well, and by all accounts, he's really lovely as well. You know, yeah, I've, yeah, he is when I, I interviewed Jamie George over lockdown and he was just talking about how he spent, took like two minutes to just talk about what a nice guy Ben Young's is. Yeah. So yeah, and he, you know, this was him, and I always think of him, this is pretty much the 
best period of his career. Yeah. That sort of when he first burst into the England team and he was so dynamic and sharp and just different to every other scrum half England had available and to them. You say this was the best period of his career. This period lasted four years. Five yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it lasted a long time. And he was like such a consistent, like one of the best nines in the Northern Hemisphere. He was always in the top two there for, mm. you know, several years. Because he had a sort of slight dip in form for like two months and he went, oh, is he kind of off? And then he came back immediately, you yeah. know? And it then, as I said, that then continued for a couple of years. It was probably like four years of... I think that's such a frustrating thing. I think that's why people get frustrated with, with Ben Youngs a little mm. bit is... Is, the, is is occasionally just how patchy he he can seem because mm. he will be able to produce a game and he will be able to do things in a game that 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 very few other scrum halves will be able to do. I don't I don't think any I don't think any scrum half in the world would have played as well as he did against the All Blacks uh, in in the World Cup semi final. He mm. you know he and but but at that point I remember receiving text. I remember receiving tweets saying. Where has this Ben Youngs been? Yeah. Where where is it? Why why don't we see this? And why and, and even Leicester fans, you know, sort of berating mm. that sort of idea. And I think that's that's where where I think maybe the frustration comes from is that he is a, and has been able to occasionally, even now in 2019, 2020, 2021, still able to pick out a game and play a game like like very few other scrum halves in the world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there's a couple of moments as well where you can see that and in comparison to... You know, Mike Blair was a very good player and I yeah. think generally has a good game. But there's a few moments where kind of, I think, circumstance forces things on him. Yeah. But there's one point where because Dan Park stood so flat, it became a really difficult pass for him to Fred. And a couple of times he ended up overthrowing or missing his target or whatever because he's trying to get away really quickly. Yeah. And there's a, there's this weird contradiction. Obviously, they start with Roy Jackson and four and a half minutes in, he gets injured, Dan Parks comes on. And there are a few times in the first half where Scotland are a team who are taking quick taps and Blair and Danielli are both coming in and taking quick taps. And yet they're a team with Dan Parks at 10 and it becomes this complete contradiction that Dan Parks will naturally slow down any game plan, no matter how you're playing. You can't play quick ball because he doesn't he, he doesn't engage defenders, he doesn't do anything, you know, which is more important at this time than it is necessarily now. He was there to kick the ball, you know, yeah. and occasionally he'd, he'd pass, but mostly, 95% of the time, he kicked, he looked to kick. There's at least. that really telling one moment in the second half when Scotland make a break down the right wing with Joe Ansborough mm. and they supply a really quick ball and you think, right, forget this wide, something yeah. could happen here. And Dan Parks' only instinct is to kick it cross field. Granted, yeah. they have three people out there, one of them being Richie Gray, who isn't an expert winger who holds his wick all the way out on the touchline and it makes it an easy ball for Tom Croft to eventually ground and get away to drop out. Yeah. Whereas it's Dan Parks' instinct of like, right, there's space over there, let's kick it there, you know? Uh, and even when they're playing tempo. Great, as I say, because it's coming off a break, Gray doesn't have the time to adjust and think, no. okay, I'm going to chase this kick. So he doesn't begin chasing until after Parks has kicked it. Yeah. So he's late on it and even though it's, he's up against another forward, you know, it's not like he's up against a fullback and he's able to yeah. sort of Both adjust. Both very quick forwards. He can't get well. there. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's we've all we've all played with or alongside uh, fly halves who who have that who have that game plan which is mm. basically uh, I I kick the ball to the opposition unless it's an attacking move and then I try and kick it to us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, well, that, how about we pass it? No, I thought I'd do a crossfield kick because that that's that's an, that's an attacking kick, you see, rather than a defensive <laughs> kick. So yeah. I am still playing with an attacking mindset. <laughs> And it's amazing to see one of them play in a massive World Cup match. 
you know, normally they get weeded out as they go along and they have to develop an all-round game. But no, but Dan Park slipped through the net. It's like going up to these sort of fly halves and going, hey, have you ever heard of an inside (laughs) centre? Yeah, Yeah, he comes and holds the ball when I'm kicking at goal. So speaking of, there was something you mentioned earlier, Robbie, about the way Dan Parks mm. adapts his kicking strategy or the yeah. way that he, you know, his technique or whatever. Something I find really interesting is there's a point 25 minutes or so into the game where England get a free kick and Johnny Wilkinson goes to put it up in the air and he taps the ball off his right foot, then kicks it off his left in the space yes. of about two seconds. Yeah, yeah. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty good. But like... It's it's kind of showing but off. He, it's like we know you can kick off your right foot. We've seen that clip where we've seen you kick off the right foot. Like you know the one I'm on about. You know yeah, we don't yeah, need to talk yeah, about yeah. when it was or what the context was or what it led to whether it even went through the post. You know we don't need to talk about that at all. But that was just a really interesting point it. of it was <laughs> like showing it, off. It was like 2004 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. It was around yeah, that. No, it, was yeah. a, it was quite early on in the decade. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say that reminds me of one of my great, the greatest stories. I'm going to completely digress here, but you, oh, will, you, will, appreciate, you will appreciate this story. It's about a, a pop forward who used to play for Bedford called Phil Bolton. And this, mm. and this actually was on TV and you can look it up. It is on YouTube and he tells a wonderful story. He managed to find himself in a bit of space. He's a big lad, plays for Coventry uh, nowadays, a sort of player coach at Kenilworth and things. Absolutely wonderful man. Very long back, extraordinarily strong, uh, sort of silver back of a, of a, of a prop forward. And uh, he, he found himself running uh, in the open. I mm. think it was up at Leeds or, or Donny or somewhere like that on the TV. And he found himself in a bit of open space. And, and the thought crossed his mind to, 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 to put it on the end of his toe and, and try and grubber it through. <laughs> And and, uh, and the, the video plays out, and please please go and look for it on, on video. It's absolutely wonderful. And his story goes, the fact that he, he had the thought process in the open, obviously didn't have the gas to go the length of the field, thought he'd put it on the end of his toe. He dropped the ball towards his feet and then had a secondary thought, which was very important, which footed am I? Am I left <laughs> or right footed? Oh, my God. <laughs> And the ball just hits the floor. He has no idea. Wh- and he literally tells this wonderful story where he, where he says, the reason why I didn't kick it is because I, I couldn't remember which foot I kicked with. That's remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Johnny was doing that. Maybe he was like, oh, left. No, I'm right. Foot. I'm, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, I remember. Just test so maybe- both. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's part of that. That's, that's a rugby player's brain for you. Look, this- look that clip up. It's absolutely brilliant. I might have to send I will. It yes, please. That's brilliant. The other thing about that Wilkinson bit is, A, if that happened now in the age of Twitter videos, that would have been so viral. You know, yeah. The only way it could have gone more viral is if he then sat down with one of the Scotland players afterwards and had a beer. Um, <laughs> it's, but also... They're mates, they're all mates, you see. That's the great thing about yeah. all mates. You only get this yeah. in rugby. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen any... No one, no one else has ever had a beer with anyone if they weren't playing against them in rugby. No, no, don't look at ice hockey. Forget that. Look, come over here. Yeah. Look at rugby. <laughs> the other thing is there's something really nonchalant and non-show-offy about it when Wilkinson does it whereas if Finn Russell or Carlos Spencer or anyone else had done that even like Dan Bigger yeah. it would have looked really show-offy it yeah. would have looked really sort of big-headed that that has something to do with the fact that Johnny Wilkinson is incredibly boring and I mean that in the best <laughs> I mean that yes. in the best possible way uh, I, I I love the man uh, hmm. he, he unflashy for the game but mm. but you, you you know he is just and I think in the best possible term he he is just completely and utterly focused on 
on yeah. the rugby. There's there's, there's yeah. no raising of an eyebrow towards the sideline when he does anything, is there? It's just Absolutely. all focus. All yeah. focus. Yeah, all credit to him. Um, he's done so, all right for himself. <laughs> he's <laughs> another point. Not long after this is England winning a penalty at a breakdown, and Chris mm. Ashton getting really wound up and swinging his yes. arm into Sean Lamont. And it, really? it, it, it Ashton yeah. wound up. Oh, yeah, it's, it triggers the greatest fight in this World Cup, I reckon. Or oh. at least the one. If you're a boxing promoter, the one out of all the fights that take place, the one I'd want to be handling the most, which is. Chris Ashton against Alan Jacobson. <laughs> Asher versus Chunk. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't buy a ticket for that. So, so here's a question for you. What what is it about Chris Ashton? Is it his face? I don't know. It's it's what, what is it? And, and I've spoken to the man, I've, I've had a conversation with the man about hmm. this, and he doesn't know. He doesn't know what it is about him that makes people want to start a fight with him. And it's not just on a rugby field. People just don't get him or like him. And I'm trying to work out what it is. Is it his face? Is he just... I have an answer for you. Go on. Uh, though I love Chris Ashton. I, I, hmm. Yeah, I think he's, from what I can tell, a great bloke. But the answer to this is resemblance to Dylan Hartley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I... We did a sort of favorite fifteen thing. Quite, I was, you know, asked to pick a favorite fifteen, and he was in mine. Like, I love Chris Ashton; yeah. I think he's brilliant, and, and I love the way he plays, and I love the fact that he's a bit of a prick. <laughs> that he kind of winds people up. Yeah, and I think there's something. He's got this kind of like scampish energy, and it isn't necessarily who he is, but there's a sort of energy to him that is inherently quite annoying if you're playing against him. Yeah. The fact that he's really good winds people up yeah. because you're a bit yeah. like, oh god, beaten! I can't believe that that guy played. again. Yeah. <laughs> And I think there is something in not necessarily just his face, but the faces he pulls. And you know, like his you everyone can picture one of his two try scoring faces. In fact, I remember him in Rugby World saying the feeling when I crossed the try line is orgasmic. That's the only word for it. And you know, things so like that's that. The like, face, right, okay. No. Yeah, that's that's Chris. We now we we've we now know all learn something. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like there's a I don't know if you saw the adverts in this game in half time. The first two adverts, one of them is for Mario Kart Wii. Because that was what was wow you know, on at the time. Yep. And the next one is an O2 advert where <laughs> it ends with a promotion saying, text pie to this number and they will send you a pie to eat with England's games, as well as like phoning you when they're starting to get you up and so on. Really? But yeah. That's amazing. The idea was they sent you sort of breakfast food and it was like, but they sent you a pie and like maybe. I don't know, like a, a shot of espresso or something. Sure, um, northern breakfast food. Yeah, and the kind of the video promo they were running for this, and they were running during the England games, was so there's a guy in bed with his wife. Lewis Moody taps him on the shoulder to wake him up and kind of eases him out, and then says, love, "Don't worry, love, you go back to bed." Um, <laughs> and she goes back off to sleep, and he goes down the stairs, and like Joe Worsley pumps him up as he's walking down the stairs. He gets into the kitchen. Johnny Wilkinson hands him a cup of tea. Uh, and Chris Ashton hands him the pie. Ashton's taking it out of the oven with his oven gloves on, and he clips around the back of the head with the oven glove, <laughs> which is my favourite affectation. And I think that's it. I think all the other players just did the very standard job as them. They kind of they read their line and they did whatever. Chris Ashton was like, "I'm um, I'm hitting this actor on the back of the head, <laughs> bloody oven glove." <laughs> <laughs> 
he he's he he is you're absolutely right and it's only over the last few years that he's really come out of himself and met and sort of mm. done much more media and much more sort of things and he's actually a very very witty very very yeah. funny yeah man. and great and great fun as i say i i i was lucky enough to spend some, spend some time with him and, and and talk through this was just before he was leaving saracens to go to france big mm. big part of his life and i i felt he came across as as incredibly engaging in in that way i felt that there was also and i think this probably is true of 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 wingers as a whole because of their binary process on a rugby field there were some insecurities and there were some worries and there were Mm. some 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 anxieties that he that he perhaps projected maybe again because of where he was in the world but yeah, I mean, just a little point on that. I mean, w- wingers literally are judged by scoring tries. I mean, yeah. there's, no other, there's no really other, any other position on the field that just has this, well, you know, can, do you score tries? You know, it literally yeah. is the number by which you sort of live and die. And, and, that's, and that must be a funny sort of way to live your life when you think of all the different things that rugby players do. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and it was always Ashton's thing. As I remember him talking about his strike rate, you know, that he was very much, he kept up on how many tries he scored per game, you know. Yeah, Especially yeah. when that, that, that revolves around pretty much everyone else. You, yes. Quite, yeah. you, you literally are the beneficiary of of other people's work. And, and yeah. that's what you're doing. And so, you know, not going through a few games of not scoring probably has absolutely nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a, and, it's a especially in Ashton's case as well, because like his whole yeah. thing was not finishing incredible individual scores. It was popping up at the end of overlaps and yeah. line breaks and, and anticipating the game and yeah. running good support mm-hmm. lines. Yeah. That's his niche. That's the thing that he's arguably the best winger ever at yeah. that one particular yeah. scale. Yeah. And it's something that I sort of mentioned in a video quite recently, but I think Josh Adams has actually been playing very well for Wales in the autumn, but yeah. you can't tell because he's not been given any opportunities. Yeah. So he's doing absolutely everything asked of him and, you know, like a tiny bit more. But it looks like he's stepped down his standards massively because he's in the opportunities he was a year ago yeah. or a year yeah. earlier even. So it looks massively different. And that's the kind of reality for a lot of wingers. And it then becomes frustrating because you say you're judging that number, be it you know externally or internally. You're kind of thinking, God, I haven't scored in, you know, how many other games? This is a problem. And yeah, and it sort of probably starts to eat at you and eat at your confidence. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of will eventually to some, you know, the Alex Cuthbert's of the world, who again was another player who talked a lot about his own try to game ratio and then had that massive drop off in confidence that led to him sort of falling out of favour and almost becoming a bit of a joke despite him being this incredible winger and finisher. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting point you raise. I mean I, I, I wonder I mean this is getting to get very deep and very, very dark, but I, I, I would mm. be very interested to see whether players who have struggled with those sorts of mental health conversations that we're seeing mm. more and more of, I wonder how many of those are are wingers. I wonder. I wonder. I yeah. wonder if it would be, if there would be more of them. I, I, and I, I don't yeah. know the answer to that. And I, I'd be interested to see whether or not, because of the binary way in which they play their game and get rewarded by the game. I want. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder. Goal kickers as well. I reckon yeah. probably falls into a similar conversation. Mm, yeah. And Johnny Wilkinson is an example of that. You know, Johnny yeah, Wilkinson has yeah. been quite open and upfront about that. And there's a, you know, because you I permanently have a percentage stuck next to your name, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just you just don't really have it in 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 sort of other other areas of the game. You know, you just don't you just don't. Rugby is not you know midfielders assists. 
where we don't we don't do that you know we yeah. don't talk about assist how many how many how many, how many trials have you created for other people you just it's just it's just not a conversation that, that various different people have in that way and and yeah. and even even key parts of the game you know turnovers one i, I suppose jack willis has, has made a big a big point of that recently and that's been that's been a big thing for, for him and but but he, even even those guys in the back row they aren't really judged by that uh, in a sense yeah. but but because there's other things to do there's so many other things other facets to their to their game but wingers how many tries have you scored you know it's it's a yeah. funny one it's a funny one yeah yeah um so yeah there's, there's a bit of a fight between chris ashton and Chunk. um alan jacobson yeah uh unfortunately it doesn't go very far but Chunk obviously walks away looking baffled uh, and someone in the Scotland team, you can hear, say to the referee, he punched me. Yeah, I was wondering who that was, because he doesn't throw a punch. No, but he swings Ashton's his arm into face Ash- comes suspicious, uh, arm comes suspiciously close. Yeah. But there isn't a punch. I don't know if it's... But the TMO couldn't review it, and I don't no. know if they're just kind of hoping that maybe the touch has saw just enough of it. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those weird periods where there's a lot of things that would be reviewed nowadays in this game that obviously just let go, you know. And... As is the case in every game in this World Cup, you just ignore high tackles. You have to because obviously yeah. you go mad because so many are just ignored. So many are just let go. You know, it's maybe a penalty, but that's it at most. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll come towards the end of the first half, shall we? Yeah. Um, so, Scotland have a couple of opportunities. There's one where Ansbro nearly scores, but again, oh. he just doesn't hold his width at all. And the line oh, he runs, yeah. like, if that was today, then that try would have been scored. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, because no, that's, of the way it's... the backline will be aligned. But it's weird to think Gregor Townsend was the attack coach at, that, at this point. Yeah, like today he would make sure Scotland was scoring that try ten times out of ten. Whereas and it's some back then it was forgotten about. It's that point that a lot of pundits make about there's too much analysis and too much you know bloody bloody blah setting out. But actually that that would be a try because of analysis and yeah. because people have looked into it absolutely rather than players just playing off instinct. And you can see Max Evans as the guy giving the the last pass to him crabs across as far as he can to try and create room for An- and time yeah. for Ansbro to get into yeah. position and he doesn't Ansbro just keeps on the same line yeah. and eventually is put into touch quite easily and it blows the opportunity yeah whereas if he was there a phase in advance it would be a try exactly yeah but then down the other end having you know blown that Scotland England then get the best attacking opportunity of the game you know they turn Scotland over on a scrum 10 beats up in the line they get within five meters and despite having a bit of an overlap the ball becomes really slow and so Wilkinson sets into the pocket right away, goes for the drop goal despite being what six points down, whatever yeah. they are, and it's being the best try scoring opportunity either team have had in the game. And he misses it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in keeping with with the general theme, I mean, I, I, th- yeah. I think this has perhaps been missed on on Wilkinson. He is he is missing <laughs> it in keeping with a very strong. Yes. Player. And so you can't blame him to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I, the only thing I would say about this is I was watching sort of the highlights of this game through. Mm. I was just, and this is again a wider point, I was just remembering that this is what England versus Scotland games used to be like. Whenever mm. you had to turn on a game of England versus Scotland, it was either 6-3 or 9-6. And, the, and these were the scores that accompanied you through all of my Five Nations and Six Nations games up yes. to a certain point until they started playing sort of basketball and, and beating each other 32-31 with the final play of the game or whatever it was a couple <laughs> of years ago. It, it, this, this was, you know, you turned up to this game, you switched on the 2011 World Cup to watch England versus Scotland and you were like, I know how this mm. game is going to go. It is going to go in multiples of three. There is no two ways about it. This is all that's going to happen unless something breaks towards the end and, and as it went. Yeah. And, 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 
and I was sort of thrown back, as, as you've pointed out, that the way that the game has changed and the way that the, the game has morphed. I, I remember thinking, yeah, I remember we used this, these were international matches. This is where it used yeah. to go. Yeah. <laughs> and people used to botch tries, and tries were such a rare thing for these teams. And mm-hmm. you know, Northern Hemisphere teams, they didn't really do it. They kicked a goal, and, and that was how you built a lead, and, and all of those things. And it's kind of, you know, we've kind of super rugby or whatever, whatever it is that's bled somehow in, into the Northern Hemisphere over the last sort of five, ten years. Has, has changed things. And, and we kind of turn on a game of rugby now expecting tries to be scored when really it should be kicks at goal and we should be thankful for them. <laughs> <laughs> this was, to give you a fun stat, named by rup.co.uk as the fourth best England v Scotland game ever. <laughs> when? When was that? Oh, 2017. Week- yeah, exactly. exactly. In the week leading into that 2017 game where Scotland, you know, famously won of the two tries by Hugh Jones, yeah. they, they named this the fourth best game in Calcutta Cup history. They're probably mm. right. They're probably right because because you know you know I think there's there's several stages in the game that sort of uh, two maybe three passes are thrown you know concurrently to <laughs> goes backwards and forwards and and you know again if they manage to miss Dan Parks out it's not kicked and and so you know that was that, that was that was that's, that's a good game yeah. that's a good yeah, game. yeah absolutely it was a good game. I mean, stand up for it. Yeah. Even though, you know, there wasn't a lot of line breaks and no. all that sort of thing. It was still enjoyable to watch no, the I, sheer intensity I, yeah. of it. It was. It was one of those where it's really helped by the crowd being so yeah. jeered up and yeah. by the occasion of it. And Absolutely. You know, this is, despite this being the oldest fixture in rugby, this was the first time a game was played in not England or Scotland. Yeah. It was the first neutral venue this fixture was ever played in. Doesn't it at the start of lovely list yes. of, of all the different places this game has been played, in, in, including various back gardens and things like that, and and yes. uh, and 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 places that rugby would you would never think the Oval and things like that, mm. the places that you would never think that rugby would be played in. But yeah, no, the first time that it's ever been played outside of it, but still, just, just the hostilities are still as, yeah. as 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 absolutely key and as as visceral as they could possibly. I've started again. Shut me up. Right, go on. <laughs> there we go. You're learning to back out of sentences. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> There's anything to take from this podcast? There's anything you've educational. learned? Osmosis. You wait till my next my next game. They're going to be going. Oh, you need to finish your sentences. Oh, I thought I thought that wasn't the way forward. <laughs> and it's a try for. Well, oh, doesn't matter. Anyway. Yes. and they might consider a conversion just watch it on your own you'll be all right without me figure it out for yourself yeah exactly wouldn't it be great yeah i'll just do the good bits look go on hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You've sort of got to pick and choose as to whether or not it looks like it's going to be a line break. Whether you you, you think about running. When this backline move begins, it's like, no, it's going to be a crash ball. Never mind. We'll, just, we'll let this one go. As you we'll were. Just... As you were. Carry on. As you were. <laughs> <laughs> Turn over. No, you, you take you take this one. Oh, there's no one. Right, okay. As you were. Anyway, sorry, sorry. I, no, I, no. I went off on one there about England. No, I, very I, much encouraging. I was remembering that whole that whole you know sort of idea of, of England Scotland matches and what they were like. And as you mm. as you quite rightly pointed out, this was a good England Scotland match. It, well, yeah. it, it was. Yeah. But we have just been spoiled in the last three years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so again, to move towards sort of the end of the first half, Dan Pox misses a drop goal and then nails a drop goal uh, yes. on the stroke of half time. He, I mean, that first drop goal attempt was quite poor. Mm. It sailed quite far to the left hand side. So he he appealed to having it having gone over. The referee said to Ben Foden, "Was it good?" And Foden said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprisingly. <laughs> Did he say it like that? Touch <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I and I it reminded me. I remember seeing this happen in the championship. To you know, call back to it once again. Uh, we were setting this up. All foreboding for this. One time, them showing it on the highlights on you know. If it wasn't James Pritchard, to show I don't it. care. Pritchard, <laughs> yeah. Pritchard never dropped the drop goals. But carry on, carry on, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, a drop goal with I think a few minutes ago would have won the game from long range goes over from the fullback and the. Referee then turns to the fullback under the post and says, because he wasn't watching, I said, did it go over? And the fullback goes, no, despite the fact you can see on the replay, it clearly does. <laughs> so he won the game by just lying. And yeah. frankly, Foden isn't lying there because of the TMO. <laughs> but yeah. for some reason, Jubert still decided to ask him, like, what's he going to say? <laughs> Imagine if he just went, you have to really good TMO on this one, Craig. Yeah. Go to the TMO. See what he says. So, ah, oh, yeah, it's, uh, that, that, you're, you're, you're prompting the idea of, of there, there already was too much reliance on the TMO. There already mm, was. Yes. Uh, it's I coming like, into the world. It's, uh, anyway, carry on. I like the thought of Craig Joubert going to Ben Foden saying, look, is there any reason why I cannot <laughs> award this as a drop goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, for Scotland, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, yeah, then... Parks drops goal at the end of the half, where he's just like really rapidly struck. Yeah. Like he he gets it, no he time, bam, it. it's over. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the, it's a weird one because it's one of those drop goals that normally only winning teams kick. Yeah, I know exactly like, what you mean. The is, there's a kind of it. yeah confidence to it of oh this team knows how to win games. Yeah, in that unfortunately that team was also Scotland. <laughs> right. So Scotland going nine three up at half time. Mm. Forty seven minutes in. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson attempt to drop goal and misses. But you think, okay, he's here to he's here to play, you know? Yeah. There's a bit of back and forth between the teams, including Ben Young's trying this really weirdly shaped chip, which ends up ends up going to Nick DeLuca. The Parks right intercept at. that you've touched yes. on as well. And there is a really unique kicking battle as Simon Danielli's getting involved as much as he can, <laughs> yes. chipping the ball forward as much of times as, as possible, which I think it's one of those things that he had a, an accumulator on, you know? Simon so, Danielli kicked the ball right. three times. Simon Danielli was... It's a really niche skill, but he was incredible at spotting space that he could chase a kick after and put a lot of pressure yeah. on the fullback. Like, it was his specialist skill other than having a mullet back before that was a thing for other Scottish players. But there's another interesting moment right at the start of the half that you didn't mention. Yeah. 
So there's a break by Dylan Armitage down the wing. He's sort of scragged by Patterson, but then the man that eventually makes the try-saving tackle and puts him into touch is Dan Parks. I missed this. Dan, Dan Parks, Parks a makes a try-saving tackle. Not only a tackle, a good tackle that put a winger who was, you know, Sizable. not necessarily in, but yeah, a decently sized winger going at some pace in a good opportunity where he could have scored into touch. Wow. Just for, you know, one for the highlights reel, Dan. That? Yeah, I say one for the highlights reel. It is the one on the highlights reel. The one tackle he yeah. made. Huh. I d- did not notice this, but fair play, Dan Park. Yep. Congratulations. Oh, speaking of clapping, there's a kick that Johnny Wilkinson misses and Park starts applauding him as he does it, as oh, it goes wide. I like that. He just starts clapping as it as it goes wide. Which, yep, classic. Precursor classic tomorrow, Toje. Yes. So, there's a point, speaking of Simon Danielli, he has a bit of a half break down the sideline and chips mm. it over Ben Foden's head. Ben Foden, who goes to dive on the ball and just falls over <laughs> and brings Danielli oh, down yeah. with him. That Scotland get within five metres of the England try line. And Nick DeLuca, who has just unfortunately thrown a fairly shoddy pass to maybe let Scotland play out of their own 22, mm. he then goes for the two-handed pickup and loses the ball just after coming onto the field. And it's one of those where you just can't help but feel sorry for him. Yeah. The slippery ball's gotten the better of him twice within five minutes coming onto the field. And like Nick DeLuca, I actually think... Uh, before going in to start looking at this World Cup, mm. I didn't actually think he was that good, but I've come out of it thinking, you know what? Nick DeLuca was a good player. He's he's the anti-Anthony Fienger. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a... With that chance as well. So one of those things, right? The way Foden kind of... Basically, he stops the ball on the floor. You know, the ball's yeah. beginning to bounce and he slaps it down. And it's one of those, he's off his feet. So I don't know if it counts as playing on the ground, but it's such a grey area, you probably no, let it go. I think he's just trying to dive but, on it, isn't he? Yeah. And he loses control. But he stops the ball bouncing or moving at all. He just kind of sets it still on the ground, which makes yeah. it so difficult for Ansbro, no, sorry, um, DeLuca to pick up. Yeah. And if it had a bit of a bounce on it, he probably takes that and finishes in the corner. Yeah. So it's a, it's kind of accidental, but it's a really important moment by Foden that potentially saves England the game. Especially when the ball's wet, you know, you're anticipating yeah. it to move in a certain way, as you have been the whole game. And then when it's sat still, you've just got to yeah. pick up a bar of soap from the floor whilst running at full, pa- full pace. Yeah. It's such a difficult skill, and it's difficult to blame DeLuca for it. Yeah, you can't. You can't blame him for it. And, and do you think even at their level, and I've asked professional rugby players this, but do you think mm. even at their level, it is almost impossible to get previous things that have happened in the very recent past out of mm. your mind i mean i, I it can't mm. i mean we've all experienced it we we've all we've all made a mistake and only then gone and compounded it moments later by trying yeah. to make up for something and it not working out do you, do you, i mean yeah they're, they're mortal aren't they? they they can't think like robots and 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 they'll, they'll tell you that they can and you know as soon as it's done mm. it's out of your mind but the amount of times that you see it that you see somebody hit a patch a little bit like dan parks in the in the other way sort of doing two things at once yeah. that, were, that were very good um you know i think i think there must be moments where you think uh, and you see it so many times with rugby players where they'll do one thing and then the very next opportunity they get they just get a bit reachy and a bit and a yeah. bit grabby and a bit sort of oh you, this is the moment I can really undo all of the oh no <laughs> yeah and, uh, and you do see it you do see it and it's so difficult to hide in rugby you know compared to a lot of other sports sure. there's yeah. there's nowhere to hide you know uh, unless you're on the wing in which case you're grand or maybe you're a prop as well you know unless it's the scrum that's going badly you can kind of whatever but anyway yeah it's I think it's often what separates certainly in the halfbacks 
the really great players is they can do that. Yeah. You know, they can make a mistake and, and pick For it back sure. up again. And it's something you look at like Anton Dupont in the last year, who has just been like phenomenally flukishly good. But there have been a number of times in Toulouse and for France where he's made a mistake and instantly turned it into a positive. Yeah. yeah. And it hasn't even been, I'm not letting it bother me for the next thing I do, it's I'm going to fix it right away. And, you know. I, at the level I play, I find that the hardest thing as a scrum half to do is that mm. once you've made a mistake, to try and just come back and do something good. Because it's you have to sort of strike the balance between, right, do I try and do something, a brilliant box kick into the corner, or do I just play to the system and just pass the ball quickly? Yeah. You know? You have find to, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You've got to like rummage through a little bit and sort of smooth out first and then look at doing something and it's so difficult trying to nail that yeah i i agree and i can only imagine that probably is magnified by being at a professional level with with, with all of that For sure and, mm. and, and and going through those processes and and as you say just just you do end up feeling this this immense sympathy you know whatever the colors of your shirt whatever the yeah, emblem yeah. on your chest you know there are moments in, in rugby uh that you feel that you feel sorry for someone uh, and then there are moments where people like back tower this last weekend you think well yes. you've been brilliant so far in your life there's very little you've done wrong so you deserve that there you go I like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yes <laughs> We're all Freddie Burns over in Japan. You see? People, you see? I miss Freddie Burns. I know. He misses you. (laughs) It's good to know. Oh, Freddie. (laughs) So, Dan Parks does a note, or rather it's Patterson, ends up getting another penalty, which sends Mm. Scotland 12-3 in the lead. At which point, yeah, (laughs) Nick Mullins points out that they are nine points up when they need to win by eight to the group or whatever. Yeah. At this point, I have written in my notes, if they scored a penalty after this, I genuinely just think they've won the game at that point. If you go to 15-3 with 20-odd minutes to go, I think that that's a winning team you've got there. I get. But I think there's two things that are different about this England team, right? One is they come out looking more focused at the start of the second half, generally, you know, in in all assets, all all attributes. They're more like it, uh, which is important. But I think the most important thing is Johnny Wilkinson. And there's a question that Nick Mullins asks of why isn't Toby Flood coming on at the yeah. start to Phil Vickery at the start of the second half? And Wilkinson kind of proves his worth. Yeah. yeah. Because he, from the moment England, the team around him start to look competent, he goes, okay, we're going to win this game. Yeah. yeah. And he isn't on for the try in the end, but he suddenly, the way he starts kicking and just taking complete control of things, right through to the fact that not long after he, you know, he kicks a penalty that puts England back within seven. And you then begin to think, okay, this is a game again. You know, this isn't, it isn't, as you're saying, that opportunity in which Scotland could tie it up in moments. Yeah. And in the moment he does that, England get back into their half and he takes a snap drop goal and he hits it so well. Yeah. Like, that's immediate. the moment England win the match. And it's you know, so and they're casual. still behind. But yeah. So casual. It's it just, brilliant. This is just how you win a game, lads. Let's do it. Yeah. And this segues into, you remember right at the start, I was talking about the fact that there are players who you wonder about whether or not that they don't quite fulfil their potential international level. The, the chap mm. I put into that category is Toby Flood. And, mm. and, and the fact that, that, that as, you, as you have identified, Wilkinson stays on and proves his worth. And, and, and ultimately, you know, Johnson is, 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 is vindicated in a sense because you have the situation where um, Wilkinson does what he does. I, I, Toby Flood has all absolutely every single part of Toby Flood's game, especially when he was on form and not injured. And, and injuries do come into Toby Flood's um, career mm. in a big way. He he was one of those guys who were like, I want why 
why hasn't he filled the void that then subsequently becomes he becomes a, basically a placeholder doesn't he between yeah. Johnny Wilson and George Ford he, he yeah. he's he's this weird sort of placeholder sort of name that 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 they sort of look at I mean are there other people that you could put into that 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 Barkley a little bit Charlie Hodgson a bit Hodson, yeah maybe yeah and and you know when you look at theoretically two very very good sides that that England have had that that um, Sir so, so Clive one and, and and the Eddie Jones one, mm. um, really you know really outstanding sort of ten twelve sort of axis and 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 that all sorted and it didn't it never quite worked out for Toby Flood but I can never quite work that out and even in this game he shows you know sort of great awareness to to find Ashton and 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 the skills and all that I just he's just one of those players that I can't quite work out what it is that hasn't that hasn't that hasn't worked for him at, at international yeah. level. And I think part of that was Johnson rather than him. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think there's this tradition England seemed to have in every World Cup, including 2003, apart from 2019, where they would develop really, you know, a really attacking, exciting, sexy brand of rugby and then throw it away when they got to the World Cup. So in 2003, they had that period in sort of 2002-ish where... They were beating the All Blacks. They were scoring so many tries. They were playing really attractive rugby. Like I've heard it described as being, you know, the best rugby England ever played as a nation. And then same for 2007. You know, they they started playing far more expansive rugby, and it was going quite well until 2007, when itself, when they suddenly sort of throw it away and go, no, putting all the chips back into Wilkinson because he's fit again. And then the same thing happened in 2011, where they win the Six Nations, playing again expansive rugby. Ashton scoring you know, four tries against Italy and sort of yeah. running in tries from everywhere. No, Johnny Wilkinson's fit again. Never mind. And Flood had been on such like form of his life that six yeah, nations. Absolutely right. My, my memory is not what it should be, but I was surprised when you sort of you know sort of identified this game and said you know go and watch some highlights. I was mm. absolutely amazed. Two thousand eleven. I was like, all right, all right, let me have a look at the team. I mean, is Wilkinson still playing? I genuinely yes. was. I genuinely was a little bit taken aback by that, and I, I'd kind of forgotten that that we what you had because I. I knew, obviously you you know synonymous with two thousand and three. You know that he's there in two thousand seven. You think this is for this is a this is a rugby sort of generation after two thousand and seven. Yeah, yeah, still there. He's still there. You you make a very valid point. Yeah, yeah, and I think because he spent so much in that period between two thousand seven and twenty eleven injured. You know, he kind of had that one awesome series where he came in and played very badly, then got injured again, uh, and he went to Toulon during this time. You know, and he sort of. It was only after he retired from England after the World Cup that he kind of found it again. He started to play, you know, that really great rugby when Toulon won those those European Cups and he was fantastic for them. And I, I think it's a really interesting period of Johnny Wilkinson's career, you know, uh, not least because of the hair. I sure. think this is the most interesting haircut he had because it wasn't necessarily stylish, but it was distinctive. And I like that. Uh, there's a bit in which he runs at Richie Gray and it's a bit like watching like Marilyn Monroe run at a funhouse mirror of herself. <laughs> I, because they sort of had similar haircuts, but one was sort of massive and gangly and sort of imposing, and and then one was sort of smaller and slightly sort of. I'm, I'm not saying I want to see a Johnny Wilkinson upskirt, but you know that's where the sentence would have gone if I'd finished it. Well, I found the title of this pod. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, fantastic, Johnny Wilkinson upskirt. Brilliant. <laughs> Subscribe now. Subscribe now. <laughs> Oh, they've all just unsubscribed. Just clicking on that. Yeah, that that sounds good. Upskirting, I like that. Let's just Google Johnny Wilkinson upskirt and get myself added to a list. Um, Let's look at pictures of there are Sean There are. Oh, wow. Enjoy it from xxxnx.inc. Enjoyable Johnny Wilkinson XXNX tubes. Pornoid. 
Right. Is that what you've got? Brilliant. Yeah. Um, there's upskirts of Johnny Lee Miller. Miller. Come up next. Wow. Okay. No, I, I should not have clicked on images. Right. In, let's in move a kilt? on. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Lee Miller of Trainspotting fame. Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that the connecting? I've got the neurons no. firing there. In a kilt? Um, must be. I'm not going to lie. I didn't click on it. And I'm not going to. I'm going to... No, there won't be. You know, I'm perfectly okay. I don't think you're committed seeing... to this. I don't think you're committed to this. I think you need to click those things. <laughs> I've just closed it, I'm afraid. But after the podcast is done. Don't mind yeah. me just searching Toby Flood, Upskirts, <coughs> Shane Garrity, Upskirts. <laughs> there's a there's that clip of Toby Flood. There's not an Upskirt, but like him really flirting with the post. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, um, uh, that's just come up on my phone. Toby Flood nude. I don't wow. think that's Toby Flood. It's not Toby Flood. But I love oh. that someone has like SEO'd that. Someone yeah. has thought people are going to search for nudes of 36-year-old Newcastle fly half come centre these days. Uh, Toby Flood. No, you know what's happened there is mum's walked in as he's uploading that and he's gone, <laughs> just working on my favourite sort of Newcastle Falcon team at the moment. And he's written that. <laughs> If anybody who's listening to this wants to see this, just Google Toby Flood Upskirt. It is the first thing on there. Alas, I'm not going to attach this to the tweet promoting the podcast. Oh, no. Do we do you have any like related videos like Joel Hodgson Upskirts? You know, anyone else? Yeah, Northeastern. Oh, no, God, that was was awful. Sorry, I didn't have gone taken down that that rabbit hole. Ryan Lamb looks really good naked. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. Yeah, no, I'm glad I came on. <laughs> yeah, um, so <laughs> I I think it's a very like vacillating level of street cred at the minute here. <laughs> so up and down. Not so much street cred; it's actual paid work that I'm now worried about. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we could just kneel this one back. That would be great. I severely apologise slash reassure you. <laughs> Important people aren't listening. No, that's that's not true. Everyone that listens is very important. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. but Bill Beaumont, he listens all oh, the time. Oh yeah, uh, Carly yeah, Rae Jepsen listens. Carly Rae Jepsen, big yeah. big fan. How do we get back onto rugby from that? I don't know. We are so far adrift. It's just it's yeah. on the horizon. I, it? It's just sipping over the horizon. I just it's going to take me a while. Uh, I need us to get this wrapped up so that I can finally type in Stephen Myler nudes and just enjoy my evening. Why wasn't Stephen Myler playing in this game? Don't know. We would have kicked all those goals. Don't uh, know. There we go. Um, <laughs> so so okay. So we finally get into as they England drag themselves back into it. They kick another penalty. They get to within three points, and they get a really difficult shot, sort of forty meters out, and kick for the corner. Uh, yep. with about five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Mullins has a bizarre thing on commentary that England is this England taking the defeat rather than looking to push on a win and thinking, okay, because like, Scotland have got to win by eight points, they're going to run the clock down. I think what we all know is if England hypothetically played against a home nation in, the, in a pool game of a Rugby World Cup yeah. and had the decision of yeah. either going for the posts or going to the corner then it would be the correct decision to go to the corner, invariably. Yes, I think that's true. This is where all the trouble started in 2015 for Chris Robshaw. Maybe <laughs> in the deep recesses of his mind, this is the game that he took his his his, his moment of choice from. This was See, it. What have they'll... we done before, guys? <laughs> See, there, I always think there was a game against South Africa where Robshaw did the exact opposite, and he took the shot when they were four points down with three minutes to go. 
And he got lambasted for it all that week in yeah. sort of the rugby press and so on. And I always think that was the moment. That was the moment he, mm. he went so far in the opposite direction, kind of reaction to that. But yeah, anyway, Chris Robshaw isn't playing. But yeah, so, so England go for the corner. They they win a penalty from the mall. And with the advantage, they, they give it to Toby Flood, who doesn't instantly look for a drop goal, and slings it out. And what what happens then? Uh, Chris Ashton scores a try in the corner. Uh, yeah. It's worth actually stating as well that the reason why Toby Flood had, much, had so much time on the ball is Tua Lange's carry into mm. the Scottish defence yes. is phenomenal. That he puts them on the front foot and he takes a few Scottish players out of the game. And that is sort of what we've come to expect from Manu Tua Lange. That yeah, at, yeah. This, at this sort of stage of his career, he was still mastering that. And sometimes he'd sort of get, get carried away and stay on his feet too long and that kind of thing. But this time he just slammed into the Scottish defence, took the tackle and set up loads of time for Toby Flood on the next phase to put Ashton in the corner. It was such a good carry. And they've already got, and they've also got Banahan on the field as well, who yeah. probably creates that space for Ashton outside because the the they're thinking they're thinking another big man is going to get it because mm. it worked last time, and and you know that 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 is that is where it's at, and and it it worked it works an absolute treat, and and Ashton mm. does what he does, and I, right when I watch this, um, mm. I know obviously it's an important game and everything, but the celebration of Ashton was massive. And I just, I just, it was kind of out of kilter with everything that this, I just, I don't know. I I, I watched yeah. it. I was like, that's weird. That, that belongs in a semi-final. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just, just caught just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I was watching the game too quickly and it was out of kilter. And I, I don't know. He, he just ran in unopposed and, and then it was just like massive. <laughs> and considering if this, if England hadn't scored that try and the score finished as it was, they still would have won the group. Like the result <laughs> yeah. would have been the same. Yeah. All they needed to do was finish within eight yeah. points of Scotland. Yeah. Something that I think is kind of telling of Scotland was with six minutes to go, they also get a penalty and go to the corner. Yes. Uh, which is quite a bold call and they get yes. into the 22. Okay. And Dan Parks is uh, on second phase, just sticks the ball in the air just as they've yeah. crept into the 22. And I get that it nearly comes off and they nearly manage to catch Dylan Armitage behind the try line to, to force a scrum five or whatever. But it's still slightly bewildering that they didn't try and attack the midfield or anything first it's, before going for this. Well, it's it's Dan Parks' version of going for broke, isn't it? Hanging the ball just in front of the try line right. to yeah. force England to regather it. Like he, In his head, there aren't interesting, ornate attacking moves. That's his option. That's yeah. his big play to go for the seven points. And Armitage does exceptionally well to get out of his 22 and give Ashton yeah. a chance to kick downfield. Uh, granted, you know, the, the fullback isn't always going to do that good a job, but it does baffle me that he doesn't first think right let's even if it's something as simple as let's give our inside center Lamont a run at the english defense you know yeah uh, it doesn't have to be a complicated move it just has to be try a couple of phases see how far you go forward and then maybe stick it in the air if you're not going anywhere it's a really confusing call to do that in second phase yeah no i know I, I get that but it felt very of that damn parksy team and that yeah. wouldn't have happened if jackson was still on the field yeah but yeah, also, in his defence, is it not also a little bit of the era as well? I know that yes. sounds... True. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, and again, you watch these games back, and I would recommend it, anyone's just joining this podcast for, for uh, extraneous reasons, like um, <laughs> finding weird web pages. If you were actually interested in going back and watching rugby from almost 10 years ago, it's those patterns that you see and that you watch, and you go, are just so almost now foreign yeah. to us watching what we're doing. It's and, fascinating. And it is yeah. fascinating. You talk about... Townsend there in, in his attack sort of coach role 
what was he learning and how was how was the game shaping and, and t- turning and changing in, in, in his head? And, and then subsequently, I, 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 I found it quite weird watching it. And <laughs> yeah, years ago, I, I found it quite weird. And, and I haven't you know, done what you guys have done and, and been prepared in, the, in that sense for it. So, mm. yeah. It's one thing that, we've no- that I think is maybe the biggest change is obviously it's kind of your default off, not just off first phase, but off any sort of phase attack is to have sort of your hit runner and then your boot runner out the back. You know, these days that is in 2021. And in 2011, people are getting done for obstruction running those lines. Yeah, I was going to say no screens, which yeah. which which, yeah. which is which is such a massive part of running yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Is literally that out the back, which uh, it, it's it's utterly fascinating to watch. I can't I can't explain it. You watch it and you're literally going, "What? Where's where's the loop? Where's where's the where's yeah. the text and loop? Where's 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 the bit that we see now? Yeah. Round about now in, in this phase, where where?" why have they yeah it's it's interesting it's really yeah. really fascinating yeah it's been kind of the big you know kind of thing we've taken out of watching this and i think when a lot of it happened a lot sort of during the automation cup that pundits were complaining rugby was so much better 10 15 20 years ago but actually it's it's so much cleaner now you know yeah, and absolutely. you have so much more shape on everything and it looks like there's a purpose when teams try and attack. Yeah. Whereas there were points here, even when Scotland, as we said, were five and seven on the try line, they were just sort of chucking it about. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. And I can get sometimes that leads to exquisite moments of wonderful flair. Sure. But generally, it's probably less exciting to watch if you're Agreed. improvising all the time. It's like if you've ever tried to watch improv comedy, right? Like there will be occasionally really funny bits that come out of the energy of it. But most of it, is not as funny as something someone wrote and workshopped and, you know, kind of worked out knowing was going to be funny and kind of yeah, absolutely. built. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a, quite a bit on Pixar at the moment. And, oh, uh, cool. and I, I don't know if you are at the moment, or, or, but, but Pixar has come across my, my sort of... Uh, my sort of vista in, in a number of different mm. ways, mainly about teams actually, which is which is a fascinating idea as well. But then I was read, I was watching something today on them, and I was I've been reading some articles on them. My God, do they do they absolutely nail every single thing down? Mm. And 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 when you talk about comedy and you talk about being funny, mm. you think about you know spontaneity, yeah, and yeah. in a way they actually create some of the most not in spontaneous if that's if that's the word moments but ev- everything is sort of is, is is created and structured and done and yeah. and redone and taken to a group who feedback and then it's redone and then and it's just it's absolutely extraordinary and it works in yeah, no yeah. uncertain terms and it just shows that actually you can create brilliance which we assume or associate as you say with sort of off the cuff sort of uh, moments you can create brilliance by yeah. working out every single possibility yeah. and i think so much of the pixar's continued success is that brains trust thing you know is that they they spend so long nailing down story and character you know and they don't let anything just slip through no. that it is so worked and worked and worked until it until it is great and basically within that you've got sorry go on pixar is a metaphor for razzy erasmus of south africa (laughs) i think it's i think 2015 all blacks i'm thinking you know (laughs) there's more kind of yeah 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 more spontaneity to that yeah yeah there's more flair to it yeah Yeah, it's a bit less boring well i thought i I did actually think i I came on this show wondering or not whether or not you were sort of like legally obliged to actually mention him every single time and you've proven it right so i i'm glad we got to razzy erasmus in the (laughs) end I'm glad we got there in the end. 
<laughs> Sorry. He's surprisingly <laughs> down to earth and very funny. Yes. Uh, he also understands the game and very, very funny. You know what? That's the reference I was trying to make and accidentally quoted Lemmy. <laughs> right. Okay. We've mentioned the Ashton try. That's it. Well taken. Ashton takes a chance well. Flood knows the space. Great carry by Joe Lang, as you mentioned. It's a sort of quite uninteresting try it for is. the, the one also, try in the game. I seem to remember this being around like the 68th minute or something. I didn't realise it was in the last three minutes. I didn't remember that yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at the death. Yeah. Scotland then Scotland lose both of their crucial World Cup games against other Tier 1 teams in the last five minutes to a try by the winger in the same corner. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, Chris Ashton didn't beat half of Scotland like Amorosino did but no. still just as gutting isn't it that, yeah, that video is um, on the same websites <laughs> yeah, so Scotland then do get another chance they get a penalty on halfway and because the try stick quickly doesn't get the chance they end up running they try to throw it wide to Ansborough who goes into touch and that sort it sort of peters out in the end to say Scotland have a chance to win this game and put themselves in a position yeah. in which if Georgia get a good result they can it's go through. It's such an anticlimactic end to the game it is. isn't it? And this sort of Haskell celebrates and the rest of the England team are sort of just going do we cheer? What do we do? You know mm. like the England moment they cheered so hard they they got all of their celebrating out the way for the entire pool yeah. and they just sort of we're like, mm, okay, I guess yeah. I guess we go and play France now. It's a really flat ending to the game, isn't it? Because yeah. in the Argentina game, you at least had Scotland trying hopelessly to forge a drop goal opportunity, which was never going to yeah. come. Whereas here, it just feels like they have a couple of phases of trying to build something, and then they just kind of go into touch, which is the most underwhelming way to finish a game. Like, I remember um, the third test for the Lions in 2017 ended with Geordie Barrett going into touch on the wing. Yeah. And it's just kind of yeah. like, and that was 15 all, final score. And you just kind of think, what do we do now? But everyone just looked so lost there with yeah. that being a draw and was so confused. And that was a feature of it, you know. And it wasn't even like the, the draw between the All Blacks and Wallabies last year where the 16-all game that went on for 90 minutes, where eventually someone it had a dramatic moment followed by another dramatic moment, at which point someone went, I've had enough of dramatic moments. Yeah. You know, at least you had a moment of distance there. I think I think what happened in this game, the uh, this this England Scotland game, was that they were waiting for a dramatic moment at some point and actually just went, actually it's not coming. So we'll just, move <laughs> on. just let's get home. The wife misses me. <laughs> and so does that random blonde I met in a bar. Come on, let's go. <laughs> right. Speaking of moving on, should we do Dick of the Day and Man of the Match? Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll I'll start Man of the Match. Sure. Yeah. So it's really difficult game I found to pick a Man of the Match Agreed, for. Yeah. I think there's a few, you know, Dan Parks was the official man of the match, which I can understand. I think a lot of the Scottish forwards were good, but kind of, they didn't, they got turned over quite a lot and they struggled to line out and they particularly struggled with the scrum as the game went on. You know, they had, a, they started quite well, but kind of wore out as they went on. And again, a lot of the England pack, you sort of were very up and down. They didn't do a lot in the first half. And so despite, despite the first half, I think my man of the match is Johnny Wilkinson. Okay. For the fact that he is the reason the momentum shifts. He kind of, he kicks that penalty and then he just goes, this is my game now. You know, we're going to win this. Yeah. And Fair I enough. think the, the game swings on the way he plays, you know. And he's functional if missing his penalties in the first half. And then has that sort of like 25 minutes in which he's single, not quite single-handedly, but he 
he's the reason mean, I think England like... swing cha- the game changes. Scotland kind of get into that mental mi- that mindset of like this is what happens now. England come back and they beat us. There's so few players in the world who can take a game by the scruff of the net like he did. Like yeah. it's just him and sort of Agaras of the world and the Casts of the world. And really, there's not many others at this sort of time who could do that by themselves. So I think that's yeah. an entirely fair shout. Yeah, I agree yep. with you. I agree with you. I wondered whether you were going to come back to it, and you did. So, mm. yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It, it's interesting. When you say officially, the, the, is that the stadium? Is that the broadcasters, Gary Stan Parks? Uh, they did a fan vote for this World Cup. Oh, fan vote. Okay. So they, they put the contenders up. It was about a really weird way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So you ended up with some cases in which, you know, like when Namibia played Wales, one of the Namibia flankers got it, even though the final score was like 81-7. Um, yeah. And he came up with a few results like that. But yeah. And they start the vote at half time. So if somebody had a really good first half, they could get man of the match. <laughs> even if they went off injured at half time or whatever. So yeah, it's a bizarre way of doing it. Uh, Sam, who's your man of the match? Well, I was gonna say I can't I can't really get 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 away from that. you mentioned the Tuilangi thing, you mentioned you mentioned that that sort of that sort of emphasis you had, but there wasn't enough of it. There wasn't enough of of, of, of it going on in the game for, from from what I saw. And, yeah. and as you say, for that for that little moment of of just switching gears and and being able to do that in the game, you you can't really look farther than than, than that. So you know, I, I would agree, and you know, give it to Chris Ashton <laughs> <laughs> because that's what he's there for to score tries. It would yeah, be yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, for me, I've got to say. <sighs> I think mine's Dan Parks, frankly, because okay. there was a part of me when Jackson went off that in the back of my mind, I was thinking about the whole Anscombe bigger axis that Wales did in the 2019 Grand Slam, which they were preparing mm. for the World Cup. And then obviously Anscombe gets injured. It ruins the sort of dynamic. And I couldn't help but think, is this what Scotland are going for? Have a so-called playmaking fly half and then you bring on Dan Parks for the last 20 minutes to kick the goals and stuff. Parks comes on and I think, is this going to be too early? Is this going to be a step too far? And actually every, well, not every, but most contributions he made were positive. Um, He kicks the ball 22 to 22 a few times. And I do think that even if they did have Jackson into Parks as they maybe prepared for, I don't think they'd have won the game with that. I don't think they were Mm. mentally strong enough. So uh, with that in mind, I think I would still give Man of the Match to Dan Parks. Okay. Do you want to take Dick of the Day first as well? Sure. I considered Ben Youngs for his relationship with the touchline. Uh, I considered James Haskell for at one point just smashing Ross Ford off the ball and not getting penalised for it. Yeah. (laughs) He just gets away with it. No one says a word. Yeah. Which is rare for James Haskell. Anything James Haskell is involved in, normally many words are said. Yeah. And I want the opportunity to call James Haskell a dick. Uh, Same with Martin Johnson. But they both get away with it this time. However, this, I'm not quite sure why, but there's something to do with the kind of party wrecker attitude and, most of all, his resemblance to Dylan Hartley, my dick of the day, is Chris Ashton. Oh, no! <laughs> well, I'm glad I almost gave him man of the match now, just to make up for it, because I know he listens, so that, that's, that's, probably, <laughs> that's probably sort of just tipped it in, you know, he's, he's, he's a balanced chat now. There you go. Mm-hmm. His street cred's going down now, if he's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sam, do you have a shout? Do you have a dick of the day shout or uh, anyone stand I, out? I, I go back. I sat in wonder a little bit at that Craig Joubert moment uh, where, mm. where he asked whether the drop goal had gone over. I thought I thought that was that was rather unnecessary. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously what he then subsequently does to Scotland later on, this is all part of it. And I think he's growing. You know, Joubert is, is sort of warming up to being a dick of the day every time he comes in, into contact with Scotland. So I think, you know, maybe that's it. Fair enough. Yeah, you know, you, you've covered it. it pretty thoroughly. Um, <laughs> and I think sort of, you know, uh, there's there's a few contenders. There's like, <laughs> I considered <laughs> giving it to Lewis Deacon just because I'd forgotten he existed. Oh, Christ, he played. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, oh, Lewis Deacon played 18 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lewis Deacon played the whole way, and I forgot he existed until I looked at the team sheet now. Never wow. mind. I missed that. That. But I don't think that's a strong enough contender. Again, Ben Young's relationship with the touchline, but he's just in love. You know, you can't you can't penalise someone yeah, for true. for for affection, can you? Um, who would we be to, to 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 act on that? I it becomes quite hard, but because he missed four shots at goal, my dick of the day is also Johnny Wilkins. <laughs> Valid. Supposed <laughs> to be the best kicker in the world, aren't you, mate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put your socks up. Don't know when he last missed three kicks in a row. Yeah, um, it's true. Thursday before. Before <laughs> we finish, of course, uh, we say goodbye to Scotland. You mean to say that Georgia didn't beat Argentina? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that spoiled it for me. Oh, you could have warned me you were going to tell me about that. I was just tuning in. I I have also we, spoiled this. We'll mention who wins it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, we say goodbye to Scotland. Thankfully, they speak English, so I don't have to yes. look up what the goodbye is in their national language. So Scotland had already booked their bus to the airport for the following morning. Had they? After before this game, yeah. Wow. You can bet England hadn't done that. You can bet the All Blacks wouldn't have done that in this situation. Um, but think... it is practical, so fair play. Park sticking that ball up in the air instead of having to go to attack is match fixing. So they have to book another bus. Do you think, do you think that's it? It's they already paid the deposit. Yeah. And so it's just like Gregor Townsend and Andy Robertson passing down a message like, no, no, don't get this shot at goal. We have to get home tomorrow. We have it booked. We've paid the bu- put the deposit down. Yeah. Cancel, okay. cancel, cancel the kick at goal. Cancel the kick at goal. <laughs> we don't want it. Um, so to quickly, because I realise um, we've taken a lot of your time. Thank you and... Pleasure. Sorry, it's, um, it's been a lot of fun. To to quickly Scotland leaving stuff. Um, I sort of I, it was a good Scotland team. I think it was a good Scotland team who played well and were very unlucky in both of those big games that they lost. You Agreed. Know? Yeah, um, and were better than perhaps they their, their results ended up falling for them as. Yeah, uh, I think if I were to pick out a star of the tournament for Scotland, it would be Chris Patterson for me. I think he is sort mm. of Mr. Consistent and both in attack and kicking the ball. I think you could really see what he brought to the team and yeah. not that they're missing him now because they've got Stuart Hogg, but he was a pretty unique player who was great to watch. And I think, you know, there's a lot of that team are kind of vintage Scotland players, the Jacobsons, the Murrays, the whoever's of the world. Uh, Richard Gray, I think has a great tournament as well, sort of in that finest pomp and hair dye. But I, someone we haven't really mentioned had a great game in this game is Sean Lamont. Yeah. Um, I thought was very, very good um, and just performed every time they gave him the ball, every time they gave him a chance, every time they put him in the team. Um, and I think he'd be mine, but I think actually Rahura uh, Terrera Jackson also mm. was great whenever given an opportunity in a way I kind of hadn't quite remembered and sort of yeah. almost being better than my memory proved 
Uh, yeah. He's up there as well. Dick of the um, tournament is obviously Dan Parks for that game against Georgia and how badly that went. <laughs> Everyone involved in that game against Georgia. Yeah. Uh, but also a little bit Chris Patterson missing that kick in front of the goal. That oh, no, the you're right. I, you've overlooked um, me. Yeah, it's Chris Patterson. Yeah. Okay. Cursing the pool. Uh, apologies to any Scottish listeners who were wanting a deeper dive, but that's fine. We've gone on yeah. enough. Sorry, um, we have to stop the proclaimers now, yeah. aren't we? Um, they, they're going to be very tired. They're walking all the way home from Auckland. That's um, true. Sam, thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you for putting up with that. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people find your work, your stuff, your, your nudes? Want to follow you? <laughs> <laughs> we can, uh, well, we, if your son is listening, you don't have to answer that last part. If you don't mind, I'm going to sidestep like that, uh, okay. sidestep like that, like uh, Sonotti, Sonotti. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on in a couple of uh, weekends' time and the Premiership theoretically resumes. You, you may find me on a, on a distant BT channel. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there or thereabouts. I, I'm rather hoping, and we bring it back to the original conversation I had, I, I'm rather hoping that, obviously, Bedford Blues get up and running very soon and, mm. uh, and we get some rugby back in the town and rugby back in the championship. And, and that's where your heart is and wherever your rugby heart lies, and it can be all sorts of different places uh, mm. when you go back into that clubhouse or back into that uh, arena uh, however small or however drab it, it isn't without without all those people in it it's uh, it's the most important thing to do so that's what i'm looking forward to that's where you will find me hopefully very soon and uh, thank you boys for uh, for letting me on and uh, and and be part of your world i i hope i i hope i uh, i hope i represented myself well enough absolutely yeah no thank absolutely. you for coming on sam really appreciate that and welcome to the squidge rugby world cup retrospective cinematic universe <laughs> whatever that means tea glasses uh, right <laughs> well thank you to everyone who has listened thank you sam again thank you well for being here as well uh no please then. join us next week when we will be finally bringing down the curtain on this poll and looking at argentina's game against georgia which spoilers they won 